BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Ophthalmologist Dr. Strauss has seen firsthand how the metaverse is helping surgeons practice the procedures to treat cataracts. Cataracts are the primary cause of avoidable blindness. He works with a virtual reality training platform developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International to help surgeons develop the muscle memory they need. The result? More confident, capable surgeons. And even more importantly... Patients who can see. Explore more stories like Dr. Strauss's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Hey guys, welcome back to We Met at Acme. Today is a great episode. I know I say this all the time, but you know what? I just really think it's true. And we have John Laster on. He is a comedian that I met the other night at the Comedy Cellar. Yes, it's reopened. Yes, you should go. Yes, it is an amazing date spot. But John was hysterical. He picked on me because I was sitting in the front, which I'm not going to lie to you. I loved. I think it's so fun to get picked on at a comedy show. Some people hate it and it's like their biggest fear. I'm the complete opposite. So it was really fun. And after the show, I was like, you need to come on my podcast. You are just so funny. He's got incredible stories. And I think you guys are going to be very entertained. But before we get into that... I'm just going to answer a few of your questions from this past week. Someone wanted me to go into more detail on what I touched on in the last solo episode of kind of like how what was going on in my life in like my early 20s, like in career, friendships, sobriety, influenced my dating patterns and like what I learned from, from what was going on in my life. Such a loaded question and totally respect how deep this is. Um, But I'm going to kind of surface touch it. What was going on in my life influenced my dating patterns a lot. I think that my friendships in my 20s changed so much. Not the people itself, but who I was close with at a given moment. And so if I were close with, let's say like friends who just like, like to hang out on the couch and smoke weed, then I was dating in more of like a lazy way. I was probably not like presenting my authentic self. I remember I used to show up to dates so stoned, like so high. And I'm sure people can relate. Like, you know, a lot of people like to do things before a date to like calm down. I know people like to take a shot before a date. I've definitely been guilty of that too in the past. But I don't think that it's a great start. I think that it's not like stepping forward with your best foot. But that definitely affected the people that I ended up dating, right? Because like people who were attracted to that person might not necessarily have been the best person for me. But I didn't think that way. And people who weren't, um, maybe probably were better people for me. But again, like I wasn't ready to welcome that kind of person into my life. I think also, you know, smoking weed was like such an escape for me that I didn't care if somebody was, you know, going to hurt me or this or that because like weed was my boyfriend and like I could just like go home and like not feel the feels. So anyone that challenged me or like said like, oh, you should stop smoking or this or that, like was the devil to me. And so my dating patterns were so influenced by that. Like it's crazy how intertwined it was. And I also feel like my career was as well. Like I talked about on the last episode, like I was kind of embarrassed to say like, oh, I'm like in social media. Like I didn't, I didn't really feel established in my job. And then I did, you know, once I started my social media consulting company. But again, like I didn't feel fulfilled by it. So I think you attract what you put out. And I wasn't putting out my best self. I hope that that answers that question. We posted a little bit on rejection 
And someone was like, oh, can you go into this on a podcast? Maybe talk about rejection stories. And I think that maybe on the next solo, like full solo episode, we're going to ask some rejection stories, but I'll share some of mine. You've probably heard me talk about these on the podcast before on my like cheating rejection trauma episode. I talked about all this, but I was rejected by someone once kind of like indirectly, like they went on a trip and they had hooked up with a girl. Like we weren't official. So it wasn't like they were like cheating or anything, but they hooked up with a girl and like, I found out I got word of it. And then I always wanted to like end it before getting hurt. Kind of similar to how, like if you send an anti ghost text because you think they're going to ghost you, like that was my MO. Like I need to just get out of this before I, you know, get rejected. So my rejection stories, like they still happened and they still hurt just as much, but I always like got ahead of it. And it's funny because it's not like they like fought me. Like I was getting rejected anyway. I don't think that there was one better than the other. Like if you're going to get rejected, maybe you should just wait to get rejected. Um, Getting ahead of it maybe makes you feel a little bit better, but in the end, a rejection is a rejection. And I think everyone has rejection stories. So I'm excited to hear more of yours in depth. Different ideas to you of how to parent when the difference of opinions about the big things is good and healthy versus the point that it just won't work. How different is too different? This is interesting because we asked a question like, how do you know how someone is as a parent? Is it before you have kids or only once you have kids? I think I can imagine that like my partner now is going to be a really good dad. And that's something that attracts me to him in so many ways. I could just tell that he's going to be like good cop almost and I'll probably be bad cop. You know, I can tell that he's going to be really thoughtful with the kids and that he's going to put them before anything and like want to help them with their homework and you know, all the, all the nice dad things. But that's, I think that just comes from knowing somebody and I think if you have doubts about how your partner is going to be as a parent, which I had in past relationships, then that's really not good. Like I've talked about this, but I I had a partner who would like when a movie would end and I would go to the bathroom, like leave the movie theater instead of waiting for me after the bathroom. And I would make these comments and be like, are you going to do that when we have kids? And it was like kind of joking, but like not really like that shit really freaked me out you know, my partner and I had a fight the other day and like I raised my voice and he was like, are you going to do that when we have kids? And I was, it's the same thing, you know? And I was like, oh my God, like, no, I I don't want to. Um, And so I think that like, those are things that you need to be aware of when you're dating somebody. And I think that if you have different opinions on like what to spend money on with your family and with your kids, that's when things are bad. That's like too big of a difference. Like if one of you wants to send your kids to public school and doesn't believe in like paying for education versus the other one, like wants to send to private school or one of you wants to like bring your kids on vacation. The other one doesn't want to bring your kids. One of you wants your kids to start working at like age 14. The other one doesn't like whatever it is. I think that those things need to be discussed ahead of time. And you should listen to our episode with really famous divorce attorney, Laura Wasser. She's actually working on Kim Kardashian's divorce right now, and she has amazing advice. So I highly recommend listening to that after this. Another thing is a quote someone told me that I wanted to share. It says, time is neutral. It's what we do with the time that helps us heal. It's a quote by Julia Samuel. And a follower wrote this in um, in response to someone saying that they had gone through a breakup. And I had responded. I said, time heals everything. And then she said, you know, time is neutral. It's what we do with the time that helps us heal. And I thought that was so interesting because it's so true. Like you could just sit there and not do anything And you're not going to move on. Like you have to be proactive in your life if you want to move on, if you want to love your life again. And that means like putting yourself out there. That means like following passions, you know, things that you, you know, are red flags that don't come up until you live together, more likely to be deal breakers or be ignored. This is interesting because I feel like it depends on if you would have said that they were deal breakers if you weren't living together. 
this goes into the whole idea of settling. And like once you're, you know, past a certain point in a relationship, it's too hard to turn back or that's what people think. Right. But it's not. It's so awesome to be able to speak up for yourself and have the courage to end something that would have been a deal breaker for you before having moved in together. I have so many friends that moved in with with guys and they moved out. And granted, of course, you know, you have to have a certain amount of financial backing in order to do that, right? So many couples end up breaking up and having to keep living together because it's too expensive to move out. But if you have the means to, there's no reason to stay, you know? Also, if you don't, like, go sleep on a friend's couch. You'd be surprised at how supportive your friends can be when you're making a really brave decision. Red flags in women. There's a viral TikTok going around about how we always talk about, oh my God, what are red flags in other people? But what are red flags in you? What are red flags in women? I think there's a ton. And we asked on the Instagram and we got some great responses. But I think, you know, it's so important to be self-aware with this. I actually asked my boyfriend, what were my red flags? And he was like, that you were really into astrology and that you made everything that we talked about into a poll. And I was like, that's fair. And I was like, are you sure there weren't any others? Like, what about the fact that I'm sober? And he's like, no, I actually thought that was really cool. So maybe he's just blowing smoke up my ass, but definitely important to find out what your red flags are if you don't know them. The connection between nagging and contempt. Nagging is like when you are saying like, can you like clean up your area? Can you make the bed sometimes? Blah, blah, blah. Contempt is when you truly think you're better than your partner. When you belittle them or you look down upon them, you don't respect them. And that's when the relationship is over. So that's the difference. And last one, red flag or no big deal if after a long weekend. So we asked this question, if it's a red flag or a no big deal, if after a long weekend with your girlfriends, you want the night alone to recharge instead of spending the night at your significant others. Everyone said it's not a big deal, like most people, right? But when we ask the opposite, like if you've had a boys weekend, you don't want to immediately see your girlfriend if that's a red flag. And everyone said it was. I actually stand by this. I think that it goes back to like, I always think that the guy should be more into the girl. The guy should be dying to see you after the boys weekend. And the girl after the girls weekend, whatever, she can relax and recharge. To me, that's a good sign because it shows that she's not like too obsessive. But I'm not going to lie. I, of course, would want to see my significant other after a girls weekend. So I don't know. But I think that that's why the two questions are answered. So like are skewed because that's just the truth. The guy should be dying to see you. And um, now on to John. I recently went to go get a hydrofacial and I couldn't have been happier in the waiting room. There were free Saqqara beauty bars. I mean, is there anything better than free Saqqara? Honestly, no. Honestly, no. If you haven't tried the Saqqara Beauty Bar, it's this beautiful pink bar that tastes like coconutty and crunchy and is so good for you, so good for your skin. And it's plant-based. So you feel like a goddess eating it. Like you're like, oh my God, look at me. I'm Gwyneth Paltrow. If you haven't heard of Saqqara, it's a nutrition company that focuses on overall wellness and they have amazing organic ready-to-eat meals that are made with powerful plant-based ingredients and designed to boost your energy, improve your digestion, and get your skin glowing. There's so much thought put into their menus each week. They've got chef-crafted, ready-to-eat breakfast, lunches, and dinners. And along with their amazing meals, Saqqara also offers daily wellness essentials. There's supplements, herbal teas. I personally take two probiotics every morning and have the detox tea every night after dinner. And you can totally also use their metabolism super powder, which is like their best-selling product. You can throw it into your smoothie, make a little bowl and make a chocolate pudding, which I did recently. And it was so delicious. Saqqara is a big supporter of the podcast and we are a big supporter of Saqqara. So Saqqara is offering you guys 20% off your first order when you go to saqqara.com slash Acme and you enter the code Acme20 at checkout. That's S-A-K-A-R-A.com slash Acme to get 20% off your first order. Saqqara.com slash Acme now. Whether you're just starting 
in your career or you've been deep in it for a while, it's so important to have tools that make your life easier, especially if you're a content creator or thinking about being a content creator. It's so helpful to have like an all-in-one platform to create and distribute your content. Issue is that platform for me. If you haven't heard of it, you can use Issue for things like marketing materials, magazines, brochures, like amazing presentations at work. And Issue works with tools that you already have, like Dropbox, InDesign, Canva. It's so incredible. All you have to do is upload something and Issue helps you make it stand out and make it really cool. I have used it for tons of things like my website, the content I post on Instagram. And if you haven't tried it, you can actually start for free by going to issuu.com slash podcast and entering promo code ACME. Or you can get a premium account and get 50% off when you go to issuu.com slash podcast and use the promo code ACME. That's issuu.com slash podcast and promo code ACME. Solve your issues with issue. I just made up that tagline. So I love it. This is Amanda Hirsch from the Not Skinny But Not Fat podcast. You might know me from Not Skinny But Not Fat on Instagram, where I spend my time talking about reality TV, celebrities, everything happening, and pop culture every Tuesday, okay? I also talk to some of our favorite celebs and reality TV stars. We talk about what's going on. Tune in every Tuesday and just feel like you're talking with your best friends in your living room. Hey guys, welcome back to We Met at Acme. I am so excited to be here with comedian John Lasser. What's up, John? What's happening? I'm excited to be here. I'm so excited to have you. So for everyone that doesn't know our story, which is everyone, um, (laughs) I went to Comedy Cellar the other night because I didn't even know it was open. And apparently it is, you know, to quote one of the comedian's jokes, that night, Cuomo got in trouble, so he opened uh, opened the comedy shows in the theaters. Opened everything. Uh-huh. And I went with my boyfriend and our couple friends, and it was a very intimate night. There were only like, you know, I don't know how many people are let in at a time, but like 20 of us, 15 of us. Yeah, it's a right? small crowd because I think we're still at 33% capacity. So it, it's very yeah. intimate. Oh, it went up. I thought it was like 25%. Now it's 33%. Yeah, I think it's going up again pretty soon. Interesting. Okay, so that happened and John was the host and he was hysterical. But of course, we're sitting in the front. So obviously, if you've ever been to a comedy show, you know that when you sit in the front, you're part of the bit, right? (laughs) Sometimes. So sometimes. I feel like... I feel like it's a good thing. It, like, I love it. And um, so John asked me about my podcast and we started talking about that. And it was really a fun show. Like, it was hysterical. Yes. I asked you about your podcast and you said it with the greatest of confidence, first of all. And you're leaving out a huge deal. <laughs> there, was, there was a table of women who went ballistic when you said your podcast. They were, they were like, sweet. Oh they were really God. supportive. <laughs> we love that podcast. And I was like, you guys know the podcast? And they were like, we love it. So yeah, I obviously paid out. them. I paid them to say that. But um, that was funny. It was actually so after that show, I got a message from... Do you remember the the couple on the on your left of us? They were like finance bros. I do a lot of shows. I know, I know. Well, there was like finance bros on a double date next to us. And one of the finance bros DM'd me after. And he was like, I also listened to your podcast, but I was on a date and like, I didn't want to be weird. <laughs> but like, uh, and I was like, you should have spoken, whatever. Um, you know what? That was I really think, funny. I think that's respectful though. I, I don't. I feel like if you're hiding things in the first few dates that like aren't necessary to hide, like what are you hiding majorly, you know? Oh, I don't think it's necessarily hiding, but I know sometimes like, I don't know. I think that I'm, um, I don't, I'm way more jealous than I pretend to be. So I think if I was with a girl and she was like, oh yeah, you know, I would have been like, ah, oh, slow down. So I think Interesting. maybe, yeah. 
you would have been like jealous of her knowing a guy's podcast? I don't think that I would go that far, but I think I understand the idea behind it. Fair. I I get that. I get that. So John, tell us a little bit about yourself. How old are you and where are you from? I am old as dirt and I am from Denver, Colorado. You don't look a day older than 30, I have to say. Really? Let Mm -hmm. me tell you, I'm a lot of days older than 30. I'm older than 40 now. Now that I think about it. Yeah. That's wild. You I'm, have some I'm good, gonna, I'm good gonna die in a few weeks. Um, <laughs> and, and I'm from Denver. You're from Denver. That's awesome. Um, I went to Denver once with a guy on a second date. Um, he invited me to Denver. And a second date? A second date. He was like, come to Denver. I have a work conference. And you will hang out over the weekend. He was like, I'm gonna take you to a show at Red Rocks Amphitheater, right? Second so date. I'm like, second date. So I'm like, this sounds great. Um, you know, I'm like naive in my early 20s. And so I go and we have fun, you know, and then I find out that he has a girlfriend. <laughs> mm. mm-hmm. You know yeah. what, though? Someone that said, let's go to Red Rocks for a second date. I can see that. I could totally see that. I have a friend recently who was like, first date, guy says, let's go. To, um, they met. And then the next time she saw him, he was like, oh, we should go to Cancun together. She still hadn't seen him from the time they met. And then he was like, yeah, we should go to Cancun. She didn't see him the whole time. And then they met in Cancun. And I'm like, of course he lives with some. Right, right. Of course, because he wants to do something not in the place he lives. Totally off base. Mm -hmm. Let's let's go far away from where I am. Not only let's go far away, but let's like live a life that I don't live. You know what I mean? But also, if you're at home with your girl, she totally is like, she's totally understanding why I have to go on this trip. Like, it's almost like if I said I have a road trip. Right. You know what I mean? And it's a real road trip. I have a gig. Mm. I could show my girl the flyers. I could, right. I could show her the plane ticket. She's like, yeah, John works. He's going out of town. And then I tell right. someone to meet me there. So, yeah, I get it. Yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's smart cheating, but it's fucked up. Yeah. It's fucked up. So, John, what is your current relationship status? Super single. <laughs> Interesting. Okay. I don't, think, I don't think I've ever been this single. Have you been in a serious relationship, though? I have. You know what's mm-hmm. what's what's really crazy? My last relationship, my ex-girlfriend died during the pandemic. Actually? Yeah, she really died during the oh pandemic. Oh, my God. I'm so sorry to hear that. Yeah. Alcohol of COVID? No, alcohol oh, okay. related. Yeah. Oh. But I mean, it was equally tragic because, you know, her best friend calls me and I just come completely unraveled. And while she's talking, I'm on Expedia, you know what I mean? Like in the process. And she was like, nah, you can't do that. COVID is raging down here in Texas. So they, they're not going to let you in the hospital. Like just, you know, like, so it was... Oh, it was devastating. I still. How did you? How did you get involved with someone who lived in Texas at all? Because your base is New York, right? Well, well, no, we were together here, and that was kind Mm -hmm. of the fork in the road. And her career was winding down, so she was like, "Hey, my career is, you know, coming to a close. I'm going to, you know, I want to move where I can get more space, more bang for my buck. I'm not making all the money that I can, and it doesn't feel like." we're about to get married or have a kid right now. So either you move with me down to Texas or, you know, we kind of part as friends and that's what happened. Interesting. And just, and of course you could tell me to, that you don't want to talk about it anymore, but in terms of, you know, how she died, was she, did she have history of being an alcoholic or she just had like a random. The, the sad part is I do. Right, so, which we which we kind of talked about at the cellar, which we'll get into. Yes, it was shocking. But she, you know, like I said, her so her career wrapped up and then she was kind of like, I got to find something else to do. So she started what's called swing trading, which means you don't really have to be anywhere. You're just in the house on the computer, you know, trading stocks all day. And, and you know, I found out because we've been for like, three, four years, almost four years. And, and that's what she was doing. 
And I guess the drinking just got worse and worse. But I wasn't aware of that. And then we had started talking a lot more. You know, the pandemic, you start catching up with people. So I was, you know, I was catching up with her and, and I had talked to her two days before it happened. So That's I was so I was, wild because like, at least I don't have anyone close to me that actually died from alcohol. Like, was it just liver failure? Um, cardiac arrest. But I, you know, my, this is just me. So this isn't like the doctor speaking or anything. Like she and I had had some heart to hearts and I was like, hey, you know, I think you need to curb your enthusiasm with this drinking. I don't know. The stories that she was telling me just, they weren't adding up. I had to go back to the hospital and they're saying that it's for my drinking. And I'm telling them it's not for my drinking. And I was like, dude, you know, first of all, they don't have any reason to lie. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Like why? Yeah. yeah. And she's saying it's, it, it's a change in my diet and my, you know, my cycle, this, that, the other. And I was like, no, you need to, you need to slow down with the drinking. But I didn't know how much she was drinking. So I think what happened from kind of triangulating what she told me, what I was telling her and what her best friend, who I despised at the friends, had told me that she, I think she tried to stop drinking. Wait, why do you despise the friend? You know how it is with best friends. You just, you know, they're like... Because they're like protective and they don't like you and don't really get it. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So she and I always hated one another. I mean, and thank God that we weren't petty enough around this time that that we started talking and hashed it out and now we're actually really cool. Probably yeah. from needing someone to talk to also. Sure, Yeah. So, okay. Well, that's, that's a lot. And I'm really sorry that you went through that. And I'm even sorrier for her family. Um, that's terrible. But was, I'm assuming that's the only person that you've like lost that you've dated. Yes. Thank God. Like that. I actually, yeah, you know God. what's crazy is my girlfriend before actually did die in front of me, which was probably the worst day of my life ever died literally in front of me. Wait, uh, you just said that that was the the only time. Did you no, forget? No, no, no. Check this out. She died, but they brought her. She's fine now. Oh, <laughs> what did she die of? An asthma attack. Holy shit. You've experienced a lot of death. A, a freak asthma attack in her adulthood. That is wild. Yeah. I, that like just makes my fear of death even crazier. She calls me and she says, hey, I'm having trouble breathing. And we we were in a fight, so we hadn't talked in a couple of days. And I was like, really? And I was like, you know, what's going on? And she was like, I don't know. But I run over to her house. She lives a few blocks away. And she's really struggling breathing. I was like, hey, let's go to the hospital because the hospital is close to Brooklyn Hospital. I was in Fort Greene back then at the time. So we go over to the hospital and they're, you know, they're running all these tests, whatever, whatever. And, you know, they were like, hey, well, you know, we'll figure something out. And they kept trying to kick me out and I wouldn't leave. I'm like, no, you, you know, she's still struggling with breathing. And finally, this West Indian nurse says, I'll tell you what I'll do. I'll give her, I'll put her on oxygen. The doctor will be here in the morning. The doctor comes to the hospital in the morning. And then you can come back and find out what's going on then. And I said, you know what? If you give her the oxygen, then I'll leave. So they did. I can't, now it's like four in the morning. I come back like two or three hours later and the doctor's coming in like in 20 or 30 minutes. So the doctor comes in, they take the oxygen off, code blue. Oh my God. Yes. So now there's like six or seven doctors come flying in the room, push me into the hallway and I'm watching my girlfriend, the life literally come out of my, my girlfriend and I, that's, that's the worst thing that's ever happened to me. Ever by far watching yeah, that, being that helpless. Yeah. And How then they get her back. Yeah. They put her on the stuff that they put Michael Jackson on, the propofol or whatever. It, yeah. It's a self-induced coma. And in the morning, the following day, so I'm in the hospital like, I don't know, almost like 48 hours, six, 36 hours straight now. And in the morning, they take her off of it. She's fine. What? She's rested. She's laughing. She doesn't know what's going on. Her, Holy shit. The doctor comes in and says, 
And this one, I, I still get choked up. He's like, it's a good thing this guy was here because without that oxygen, you probably don't make it through the night. If they hadn't put that mask on her because he said she was having a serious, serious asthma attack. But because she hadn't had, it was, you know, it's like a weird thing. She didn't have asthma, but you can have asthma like dormant asthma. Yeah. We found and that's what happened. But that was Jesus. That is wild. How did that experience not make you guys want to be together? We were together for a while after that. We 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 that did bring us back together for some time. Yeah. So we're kind of into astrology on the podcast. Don't make fun. <laughs> when is your birthday? May 28th. Okay, so you're a Gemini. Yes. And the you were born in the tw- most hated. The most hated sign. No, not by me. I'm September 28th, so I'm a Libra. So I appreciate Gemini's. But also, because we're both born on the 28th, that's very special and has a lot of meaning. Oh, you're the 28th too. hmm Wow. It's special in numerology. But that's really interesting. So I want to talk a little bit about your, your sobriety. It's funny. When going back to the cellar, when John and I met, we were like talking about... Um, Acme and you were like, what's, you know, what's Acme? And I was like, it's this bar downtown. And he's like, you must have done some like fucked up shit at Acme. Like you must have gotten fucked up. Like you must have been doing drugs and sleeping with everyone there. Cause like, why else would you, you know, like name your podcast after this? And I was, and I think you said something like, what's your drug of choice or something? And I was like, funny enough, um, I'm sober. And you were like, wow. So it was really bad. (laughs) No, but you know what? Only people who have gone that exactly. far. Would be, yeah. So as soon exactly. as you said that, I was like, like oh, I, I do not care if somebody like makes a reference to like, oh, you're sober because I went that bad. Like if you're sober and you take yourself seriously, that's the worst thing ever. But what is your story? I, you mentioned alcohol. Was that like your your thing? I mean, I I, I was one of those people. Alcohol lot of cocaine but yeah i mean you know you got to figure i don't know like we work in a disneyland of liquor do you know what i mean yeah every night it's open bar for you as a as a comedian and then eventually i i i I probably crossed over that line like i used to host four bar shows in brooklyn a week so of course it's open bar but keep in mind that if I would come in that bar on a night that wasn't the night of my show, I just made that bar a lot of money on the night of my show. You know, so maybe my show was on a Wednesday at that bar. If I come in there on Thursday, they're not going to charge you for a drink. Right, right. You know what I mean? So imagine having open bar at like four different bars close to your house and then your best friend, Coke. You know, my best friend was DJing at strip clubs. And he's selling Yayo. So just a, a hamster wheel of debauchery. Yeah. And yeah. so it was just like, it was a lot. But when, at what point were you like, this is probably not going to end well? I was very suicidal. Mm. Yeah. My, my alcoholism, by the time you, by the time I mixed the Coke in with it, I was very, very suicidal. And I, I wasn't even all the way aware that it was the cocktail until my first trip to detox. Mm-hmm. So prior to that, I just thought, oh, my God, you know, my life's just a mess. And, right, and I remember right. like late at night, you know, they have those puppy commercials, you know, mm-hmm. like, hey, you got to adopt these, you know, with, with, yeah, the music. with Sarah McLaughlin. Yeah. yeah. Right. You know what I mean? So the Sarah McLaughlin and the music in the background. And I remember I used to cry watching those puppy commercials like, man, somebody's got to adopt one of these puppies. And uh, yeah, but I remember when I got into detox, the same commercial came, nothing. Right. No, no tears, no depression. And it dawned on me, oh, the liquor and the alcohol and the coke's out of my system. I'm not depressed. And that was the first yeah. one. Oh, I see. You know, this is this is what it's doing to me. But I was but I was in I was in really, really bad shape, obviously, before I got to detox. That's what led me to detox. But I mean, I had I had interventions 
from my friends, missing gigs. I don't know. No matter how much money I, I made, I came back. I ended up with seven cents on the dollar by the end of the week. Um, yeah. So yeah, I was, was in bad shape. It's really interesting that you are able to tell now like that it was the alcohol and the Coke that like was making you depressed. I feel like so many of my friends, even to this day, who like drink often or do Coke will have these feelings and they will not even for a second think that it has anything to do with alcohol or drugs. Like they, they, it doesn't even occur to them that it's possible. And for me, so my thing, you like, you're going to laugh, but my thing was actually weed. And like, people think that weed is like, you know, everyone should smoke and like, it's not a drug. But for me, it was crazy. It was such a drug. Like I was high 24 seven, 24 seven. And I literally had the opposite problem as you. Like I would watch the Sarah McLaughlin commercials and I wouldn't feel a thing. I would be like, fuck those dogs. Like get them out of my face. Okay. And then when I stopped smoking weed and got sober from like everything else, because it obviously wasn't just weed, but weed was my main thing. I like would cry at the dogs and be like, oh my God, I have feelings again, you know? So it's so funny, like what everything does to you. But I think the bottom line is that like, if you have to do anything to get away from your altered state, like you are going to give yourself more anxiety. You're going to give yourself some sort of depression and like you could potentially be suicidal. So like, it's definitely um, like a good PSA for anyone listening. Like if you are having those feelings and thoughts and like you're doing all the things, you're like, you know, meditating and doing yoga and like nothing's changing, like maybe drink less or not at all, you know? Yeah. No, I know. I know people that, yo, my bestie, which is really, really sad because it, it pains me that he's he's still in that state. But I remember one night he called me to your point about that people just don't get it. He called me and he, and he said, I'm down by the Lincoln Tunnel. And I remember being like, hey man, you know, what's going on down there? Is there a party down there? And and he just, matter of factly, right? He said, no man, the car flipped over. And I was like, what do you mean the car flipped over? What? He said, yeah, man. He said, yeah, man, the car flipped over. So he says, hey, you know what? I'm a I know you think I'm joking. I'm going to send you a picture. So he hangs up. I get a text. It's a video of his car flipped over. Yes, completely flipped over. Right. And 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 his phone charger is dangling in the window. So it's not like the car had flipped. The car had it was a fresh flipped car. Right. So I said to him, I said, yo, man. You know, are you fucked up? You know? And he, he said, oh man, nah. He said, all I had is some vodka. He said, and I did two lines. Yeah. Right before I left the club a little while ago. Yeah, I'm it's I'm just sleepy. He he made no association with the fact none that he's fully fucked up and hadn't been asleep in like a day because because he's doing coke. Yeah, that's wild. Even to the point that he was like, yeah, man, car flipped over. Like, that's just that's just a part of people's day. No, no. But you know what I mean? Until someone's ready, if you know, if you're you're hey, you need to do this. They're just going to push you away. Yeah, that's that's so true. Going back to dating for a bit, like, you know, you're you're very single and we're coming out of a pandemic. Like what? do you see for yourself in the future with dating? I know a lot of comedians will just like be fine with comedy as their like boyfriend or girlfriend, but I don't know if it were me, like, I don't know if that would fulfill me. Like, do you want something serious? Yeah. I mean, I think I'm, I think that I'm moving into a place um, with that now. Do you know what I mean? Like now, I mean, during the pandemic, I started a startup. I don't know if I mentioned that when you were at the club or not. But I've got to start up this coming to support black businesses because mm-hmm. a lot of people are looking to to do something, especially in this climate that we're in. Yeah. Um, so the app should be out probably at the beginning of June is my guess. That's um, amazing. Yeah, Blap should be out. 
But like between that and stand up, like I'd rather be in a relationship, have time to do the, you know what I mean? And yeah. not to, to be flagrantly honest, I've been there and done that. Yeah. How would you meet somebody that you want to date? Like, I'm sure you meet a lot of people through through comedy, but like, do you like to date other comedians or would you rather date like a, a regular Joe? No, nah, definitely a regular Joe. Yeah, yeah. not. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Probably, probably I would say definitely a regular Joe. But I mean, like I said, as my schedule starts to fill up, I don't know. I, we meet so many people. I don't think it'll be a problem. I don't yeah. see that problem yet. That's that's not a. So you're not, not on dating apps. No, my brother is constantly like every time there's a group of people, he's like, "Yo, this has never been on a dating app." Meet a lot of you know what I mean. Your brother and, like goes up to people and like starts conversations. No, my brother makes like when there's a group of people, he'll always make he'll always bring it to everyone's attention that I've never been on a dating app. Like this guy is a weirdo, you know. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, but I'm in I'm in a room full of women multiple times. You know what I mean? It's, yeah. That's not it's not a concern of mine meeting people. Have you been hit on at one of your shows? Like, oh yeah, we get yeah. You know what? Because I am the way that I am, like I'm not like a stand around after a show. Uh, some comedians who need that validation and they're, I don't know, they're looking for that interaction with women after every show. I'm just not one of those people. I'm more of a introvert, but I guess so. Yeah. What's the best um, like show experience that you've had? Like, for example, the first time that I ever went to Comedy Cellar, I was like, I don't want to go to a fucking comedy show. Like, no one's actually funny. Like, I'm like too cool. And my friend dragged me to the sh- to a show at the Cellar. It was my first comedy show. And um, Asis Ansari and Judd Apatow like popped in and did and did like sets or whatever. And it was amazing. Like they were testing new material from like something that ended up coming out that I ended up watching. So it was really exciting for me. That was like my exciting comedy night. What's What's been yours? Like assuming that you've had so many experiences where people that you like love and like look up to have, have dropped in. Yeah, I think my favorite comedy show ever is a show that my brother put on in Denver. So seeing my mom and her friends laughing, seeing my mom see me on stage and genuinely laughing is probably the best experience I've ever had on stage. And then second, like the best show. So probably the second best experience was a show called the, that was kind of labeled the billion dollar show at the comedy cellar. And that ended up in the New York times, but it was uh, my Ryan Hamilton and then Dave Attell and then Jerry Seinfeld and then Amy Schumer popped in and then, Aziz Ansari was also on that show, as well as Chris Rock and Dave Chappelle. But that oh wow, arguably the greatest comedy show ever. Yeah, that's insane. So I was hosting that, but yeah, that, I mean, people will be talking about that show twenty years from. Yeah, that's a good one. Yeah. Do you have any like advice as someone you know who's been dating for? like 40 years, or I guess you weren't dating when you were two, but (laughs) to our listeners who, you know, are in their twenties and thirties about dating that like you've picked up just that like has been helpful to you. You know what I, you know, assuming that you're, you're looking for an SO as I scroll through your stories. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I won't date anyone doesn't know where their, where their joy is. Because I've screwed up a lot of times dating people that don't know where their joy is separate from me. Like if you mm-hmm. ask someone, like, what if you could just do it all that you love to do? There's very few people that know that. You know, yeah. oftentimes you end up who you just become the center of their universe, and and that is a recipe for disaster, I believe. Yeah, you know that's what I mean? not cute. It's not yeah. Cute. Someone has to have some, they have to have. Anyone that I'm going to date, date, like they have to have some passion that they absolutely love to do separate 
for me because those are the people that I find most joyful to be around. They're already yeah. happy. I'm already happy. Then we can be happy together. But if That's you are so not true. complete, if you don't have something that absolutely brings you complete joy, then I don't know. That's true with friends too. Like it's really hard for me to be around the friends that like have to figure their lives out still. And it's so, it's such a, like a pleasure to be around the friends who like are killing it in something they love. Yes. Um, it's just like a total different energy. Yeah. And they're going to, I mean, and if they don't have that, there's no way for you to truly be with someone for that. Not you, if you're intertwined and my energy is things aren't working out, things aren't working out. You're intertwined. Do you know what I mean? Even, even if you consider yourself like, oh, John, don't worry. It's going to work out. Like your energy's wrapped by not doing well. Right. No matter how good you're doing, there's a little bit of a, of a, of it's a gonna pull you, It's going to bring you down. It, it's inevitable. Yeah, that's so you're true. You're never at your best if that person isn't happy. If they don't have something that's elevating them, do you know what I mean? It's almost like they're going to be a bowling ball in the middle of the, no matter how good things are going for them. Eventually, you just are like, you know what? I kind of want to sail. <laughs> yeah, truth. That's such a good call. So we do these poll questions, as you know, because you are recently following us. Um, so I'm going to ask you some of these rapid fire questions. Your poll game is awesome, yo. <laughs> Thank you. Yours is funny, too. Sometimes I don't get it. Like you'll be like, you'll be like, are you bored or is this like a N64? And I'm like, what? I don't know. <laughs> Let's but it's do really it. Funny. Okay. You've been dating someone. He's great. Blah, blah, blah. But when you have sex, they sweat so much that it gets in your eyes and even in your mouth. Are you doomed or can you recover? I am not doomed. I was a division one basketball player, so I can get sweaty. And, I, mm. and if someone else gets sweaty, you know, yeah, it's, I can. Yeah, it's the nature of the game. Yeah. And if the sex is good, whatever. I've, I've, mm -hmm. I, yeah, I, I've had bigger complaints. So fair. If you find yourself nagging your partner about things like making doctor's appointments or like applying to new jobs, if they hate theirs, is the relationship doomed or can it work out? It's due. I agree. Your boyfriend has never gotten you flowers within six months of dating. Is that a red flag or no big deal? It's a, it's, it's, that's, that's, that's a tough one. I think it's a big deal if you have explained to that person that that's what makes you feel good. Right, right. Because it's, it's not a big deal if they don't give you flowers. I think it's more a big deal if they're not listening. Mm, agreed. An over-involved mom, red flag or no big deal? Red flag. Mm -hmm. Grow up. Come on. Well, if you have a first date, would you rather it be on a weekday or a weekend? Oh, this is good. Bad. Weekday. My weekends are busy. That's fine. Yeah. So after you've been in a relationship with someone for more than a year, should you start prioritizing them over your friends? Not necessarily. I don't know. I like dating people that have friend groups. Go hang with your friends. Do you know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. I don't think that's always a bad but I think, thing. But I think you could prioritize your partner and still have friends and make time for them. You know? Yeah. I don't know. Some some, some people... Some, <laughs> I've seen people prioritize a relationship over friendships. And then, you know, and then, then there's that feeling when they come back with between their legs, like, you know, yeah. we told grass. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's true. I think I think you need to prioritize both of them, but but relationship a tiny bit more. But like don't lose sight of the friends. After a year, I'll go with that. Prioritize yeah. after a year. Are you into Clubhouse or are you over it? I'm over it. Same. Like it it just doesn't have my attention anymore. I don't know what it is. Like it was two seconds I was into it. Now I'm not. I was I was totally into it. And like I said, you know, it was a lot of talk about startups, but I also noticed that I spend a lot of time with my startup and I'm like, where do these people have the time? 
Like successful people right. don't have the time to do that. To, to sit and talk about nothing. For 12 hours. Right. That's so true. If you love your partner, you think they're wonderful, but you don't feel sexually attracted to them, can you work through it or is it over? It's over. Agreed. Okay. John, can you leave us with a quote or like a piece of advice or like a poem, anything that's helped you throughout the years? You gave us one before, but... Um, which one? Did I gave you something at the show? No, no, no. You said just now, just before the poll questions. Oh, um, I think I said something because I think you and I had an exchange about... Because when you said relationships, it brought something to my mind that I had said at the club and it was one of the best things that was ever given to me was never ask somebody how to get something they don't have. Yeah. That, yeah, that was a good one because you, you actually went on like a, like a, an amazing tangent that I, I wish all my listeners could hear, which is basically like, why would you listen to someone with a podcast about dating who's single if you don't want to be single? Um, And I loved that because I get so much shit for like being in a happy relationship. And, and it's like, you're boring now. And I'm like, did you really want to be guided by like this crazy bitch who's like, you know, dating three guys who doesn't understand like what a relationship is, you know? Well, I think, well, I think in your, you know, it could work because your podcast is about relationship. It's not about how to stay in a relationship. You yeah. know what I mean? Like it's mm-hmm. a discussion about all different angles of relationships. So I think that it could still work for you if you weren't single. But I just don't think that, I don't think that you should be taking, I don't have kids. So why are you going to listen to me tell you about what to do with your kids? Exactly. Or, exactly. Or you have kids telling you what to do with your time. You're like, oh, you don't have kids. Like, why would, why would you listen to someone? Or why would you listen to someone who... You know, I remember one time where that came from is I was asking a friend of mine who's doing extremely well and there was someone standing next to him and I was asking them about, you know, being in the movies. The, the guy that I was asking doesn't have any films. The guy that was standing next to him does. So he yeah. to the side like, why are you asking him when I have movies out right now? And he's like, right, right. ask somebody how to get something they don't have. You know what I mean? But I caught myself since then talking to people. And then I'm like, wait a minute, you don't have that. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Like so even with this, with this new company, I'm on, I'm on Clubhouse having conversations with people about my startup and they don't have a successful startup. And then I had to <laughs> yeah, catch yeah. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, wait, yeah. why the fuck am I talking to you? Right. Like this person has lit investor money on fire like 10 times. Why am I listening to them? Exactly. And then yeah, I, I would be like, wait a minute. Oh, why let me let me scroll back and find someone who, who <laughs> yeah. has a successful startup and start over. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Um, John, thank you so much. Where can everyone find you, follow you, and hopefully download your app when it comes out? Hit me at he was funny. Um, my app right now, like I said, it won't be out till June first. The updates will be on Blap the app. Blap? Like, oh, I love that. That's a good name. It's a dope logo, right? It is really dope. I can't wait to check it out. I'm going to send you the um, prototype. I'm I'm dying to hear your feedback. Yeah, please do. Please do. Thank you, John. No, thank you for having me. This is awesome. I'm so glad we met. 